It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. And we, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Mic'd Up, an unapologetic, low-country-based podcast from the Charleston Activist Network. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden, and today's episode of Mic'd Up is dedicated to the life and legacy of Congressman John Lewis. I wanted to commemorate his life because much of his work uh, touched and intersected with the lives and work of civil rights icons from right here in South Carolina. But before I get into that, just take a listen to this 2016 commencement speech. It's at the University of South Carolina in Columbia. Don't get in trouble. But one day in 1955, 15 years old in the 10th grade, I heard a Rosa Parks. I heard the words of Martin Luther King Jr. on the old radio during the Montgomery bus boycott. And the words of Martin Luther King Jr. and the action of Rosa Parks inspired me to find a way to get in the way. I got in the way. I got in trouble, what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. I said to you as graduates, you must go out and get in trouble, necessary trouble, to help make our country and make our world a better place. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation, a mission, and a mandate to stand up, to speak up, and to speak out. I said from time to time that those of us who live on this little planet we call Earth, or call it this little spaceship, we have a right to know what is in the food we eat, We have a right to know what is in the water we drink. We have a right to know what is in the air we breathe. It is left up to you. So as you leave this great university, the University of South Carolina, go out there and get in the way. Make a little noise. Be bold. Be brave. Be courageous and use your education, your training, to redeem the soul of our nation and maybe help make our world a better place for all human beings. Each and every time I listen to uh, Representative John Lewis speak, um, I'm just uh, taken aback by his historic memory, um, his memories, his his recollections of the 60s and the work that he was a part of. You know, he was the, the last surviving member uh, of that organizing crew, that core group of organizers from the 1963 March on Washington. And, you know, when we lose an icon of his stature, I always feel like we're losing that living, like walking anthology or or something like that. Right. And so I'm, I'm moved when I hear him. And I'm so I'm so glad that we had um, so many opportunities 
to listen to John Lewis um, in preparation for this show. Of course, I, I went through countless, countless videos. And over the weekend, I was able to just sit and reflect and listen to his words and read his words in a number of books. And, um, you know, it was tough. It was tough to find uh, just the right kind of um, appropriate a tribute to him or, or capture the words that that really encapsulate his word, his work, his body of work um, that span, you know, much of his, his 80 years. So, um, yeah, it, it was actually really good research. It was it's probably akin to to good trouble. Right. You, you have I had a an embarrassment of riches to sift through, but also through my um, research for today's show. You know, um, and I mentioned this during my MLK show a few months back. I did encounter, unfortunately, um, this uh, this thing that's always present whenever we lose uh, an icon, whenever we lose a head of state, someone of John Lewis's stature. Um, and that's that reflex to um, turn him into almost a martyr. Now, if you know anything about John Lewis, you know that he started his activism life. Um, he was politically activated at a very young age, right? We can see these these old archival videos of John Lewis uh, with a trench coat on and in a backpack and a young man with a very, very sturdy hairline. And, you know, he's a handsome and striking young 20-something-year-old, right? And he's out there with Martin Luther King and, and countless others, right? Um, and But we also see the brutality that he had to endure, this young kid like just out there with his backpack being beaten with a billy club as as they crossed the Pettus Bridge, um, you know, Bloody Sunday. You know, he almost lost his life on numerous occasions. Last night I heard on an interview that um, he was once locked in a, uh, I guess, a food counter. And, you know, when they did the sit-ins at the lunch counters, well, he was locked in and, and he and other black protesters um, they had to withstand a fumigation. Uh, the shop owner just tried to fumigate the place while they were locked inside. And we know that he almost lost his life at the hands of, of um, you know, police violence. A, a number of times, you know, he was beaten and bloodied. And there are pictures of him with blood on his collar and his coat. And, you know, when I, when I, when I hear that brutality and when I, when I hear others recount how vicious uh, the the police brutality and the um, the extrajudicial, uh, you know, state violence, how vicious it was, um, especially against black bodies and, and other um, freedom riders. It really, really, it devastates me, and it and it makes me think of his work a little bit differently. And by differently, I'm I'm resisting what I'm seeing in some of the coverage where we're doing to John Lewis what we did to MLK. We are we are sanitizing some of the work he's done and overemphasizing his enormous capacity for compassion and for forgiveness. And we're de-emphasizing that a lot of the strides that he worked for, a lot of the strides that he made and he along with, you know, countless other folks from the civil rights era, a lot of the strides that they've made um, are being eroded currently and, and were being eroded during his lifetime. Case in point, the Voting Rights Act that was gutted in 2013, right? Someone who fought so hard for black folk to get the vote. And yet right now we're seeing 
our, our lawmakers roll back some of those some of those strides. You know, um, there was one story in particular that really um, that I saw framed in a way this this way that we want to make these men and women during the civil rights era. We want to make them into martyrs. Um, we want to turn them into Santa Claus, as as Cornel West is wont to say about the legacy of Martin Luther King. And there was this one incident um, back in the 60s where John Lewis, he uh, was in a Greyhound station. He tried to enter a whites only waiting room area of a Greyhound station in Rock Hill, North, excuse me, South Carolina, right here. That's why I'm bringing it up um, in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And of course, he was confronted by white resistance and violence, and he was brutally attacked. And it as he was being attacked, the police finally, like reluctantly intervened and stopped it. Um, but years later, about 47 years later, the mayor of Rock Hill, uh, Doug Eccles, he actually issued an apology to John Lewis. And before that, one of the men, one of the white men who were attacking, um, who was attacking John Lewis, his name was Elwin Wilson. Elwin was a Klansman. He was a member of the KKK. Well, he apologized in around like 2009. He actually apologized um, to Congressman Lewis for his part in that beating. And as people know, uh, Congressman Lewis just, again, compassionately accepted that apology. And when that Klan's member, when that Klansman died years later, Um, He actually issued a statement reflecting on that man and his apology. And while while I find that to be um, it's it's inspirational to have that. I I hope I hope I can I can have just an ounce of the the compassion that John Lewis had in his life, you know. Um, But also I've I'm seeing this incident, especially here in South Carolina, be overemphasized um, and we're forgetting some of the other issues of the tragedy that a black man had to walk through that type of fire, that black men, black girls, black students, because these were students. Remember that they were students during much of the the work that we are watching and re rehashing currently as we watch these tributes. These were kids. These were kids being beaten by racist community members, not just police racist shop owners and students and and neighbors and bankers and judges you know and so again i i applaud anyone who can apologize who can accept the apology of a klansman years later um i also want us to focus on his work and not not sanitize John Lewis's legacy and and not turn him into some sort of mythical Santa Claus like figure who just showed up with a backpack and up oh, civil rights was won. No, he had to walk through fire. He had to walk through so much violence. Um so I was trying to find a clip that uh helped helped to summarize his legacy and I'm going to play just under 2 minutes of this clip from Democracy Now. Um, I think they did a really good job just giving you a brief rundown of John Lewis's career. So take a listen. DemocracyNow.org, The Quarantine Report. I'm Amy Goodman. 
The nation is mourning the loss of civil rights icon, 17-term Democratic Congress member John Lewis, whose legacy of freedom-fighting and justice-seeking stretched from the Jim Crow era to the Black Lives Matter movement. Lewis died Friday at the age of 80. He was diagnosed in December with pancreatic cancer. John Lewis was born in Alabama to sharecroppers. He went on to become the youngest of the so-called Big Six, who addressed the 1963 March on Washington was ultimately elected in 1986 to be the congressional representative for his home state of Georgia, a post he never left. During the civil rights movement, Lewis marched side by side with Dr. Martin Luther King, helped found and served as chair of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and helped organize the Freedom Rides. He was arrested more than 40 times protesting segregation. As a mentor to those who followed in his footsteps, Lewis was known for encouraging them to, quote, get in good trouble, necessary trouble. In an interview last month, Lewis said the video of George Floyd's death at the hands of Minneapolis police was, quote, so painful, it made me cry, he said, and that he was inspired by how it had sparked a new movement to end racial injustice. Congressmember Lewis made his final public appearance in June at the street near the White House that's now named Black Lives Matter Plaza, where the words Black Lives Matter are painted in 35-foot yellow letters. Former President Barack Obama said Saturday he hugged Lewis at his inauguration in 2009 and, quote, told him I was only there because of the sacrifices he made. You know, even the clip of that Democracy Now! video, um, it was it was a quote from John Lewis and it was, um, I thought I was going to die. Right. So they even um, they they got what I got, which is this man's life the battles that he waged into, you know, they were significant and they shouldn't be forgotten and they shouldn't be whitewashed or, you know, made palatable for, for whiter audiences or white audiences or the white gaze. And, and I think it's important that when we confront the past, that we confront it in its entirety, and which means that we're going to bear witness to a lot of unsavory uh, acts by people who look like our neighbors and our teachers and and people we come in contact with daily, right? I think it's important to emphasize and to illustrate the type of challenges that not just John Lewis, but a, a Diane Nash or a Fannie Lou Hamer or a Stokely Carmichael, um, you know, the type of brutality that these these paragons of, of virtue faced. It's important that we we um we see that and that we never forget that now, other countries have mastered this but here in america we 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 tend to to not want to reckon with our past right no and it's ugly but we have to we have to remember that so he, he said it in his memoirs and in other books that he thought he was going to die y'all man imagine fighting through that right that imminent danger um, I want to end by tying this up neatly. Um, there was a reason why I wanted to honor John Lewis, A, because he's worthy of praise and he's worthy of recognition, but also because a lot of his work did intersect with folks here on the ground in the 60s um, and, you know, in South Carolina. And as I started off with the commencement speech from 2016 at USC, um, and I also mentioned the Rock Hill uh, Greyhound bus station incident, I also want you to know that he was taught by Septima Clark, you know, and I, I made a graphic this weekend 
um, because I pulled from a book where I found uh, that Septima Clark taught countless civil rights um, icons like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King himself. Um, you know, he studied at, at, at the knee of Septima Clark at Highlander, right? And so did John Lewis, right? And so, um, and not only that, uh, Septima Clark was there, um, you know, with John Lewis a couple of times um, when he was beaten in, in um, Bloody Sunday and and other times, other moments where they were attempted to cross that bridge, Septima Clark was there, you know, and it's important to to make that connection. A lot of civil rights history, it actually started here. The first bus boycott, it, it was it was not Rosa Parks. And even though um, people have evoked the name of Claudette Colvin, which she needs to be remembered and she had a, a, a an important role. But Sarah Fleming, South Carolina, Sarah Fleming, Richland County, she was actually brutalized by the bus driver and kicked off the bus for refusing to move. That was well before Rosa Parks. There's so much rich civil rights history here uh, in South Carolina. But back to John Lewis. So we have this intersection where his life intersected with, I'm using the word over and over again, but where his work um, came in contact with the work of Septima Clark. We also know that um, Congressman Clyburn, the current whip right now, <laughs> holding it down in Washington. We know that he organized with John Lewis at some points as a young organizer. Um, and also we know uh, James T. McCain. Um, he's also known as Nooker, uh, N-O-O-K-E-R. And he he was a an organizer with CORE here in South Carolina. It was a splinter group of CORE here. And um, we also know Cleveland Sellers. Cleveland Sellers was instrumental in crafting some of the speeches that were um, that were delivered at the March on Washington. And there's a whole story behind that and editing and 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 uh, I guess censoring the the words of students that Cleveland Sellers uh, he, he talked about. And so I encourage you all to to really, um, you know, he he was there. He was there with John Lewis is my point and actually was instrumental in some of the crafting of some of the words that John Lewis delivered at the historic 1963 March on Washington. Let me just wrap it up. Uh, so that's why I brought up Cleveland Sellers. But but it's important that we all understand um, South Carolina's role in civil rights because the state has done a very good job at erasing that. So you don't think that we were pivotal, that that people, men and women and students here were um, important to the movement. No, this was actually the birthplace of a lot of movement work, um, like the um, Brown versus Brown versus Board of Education, Thurgood Marshall. It, it started here. Charleston plays a big role. Columbia plays a big role. Rock Hill, Orangeburg. We have all these areas that were really like hotbeds of student organizing. And so if you want to learn more about that, I encourage you strongly to pick up the anthology. Um, it's called excuse me, it's called a champion champions of civil and human rights in South Carolina. Um, I currently am in possession of volume one, but I, I encourage you all to just please pick up this anthology, at least get volume one. Again, it's champions of civil and human rights in South Carolina. Um, and it covers the volume one covers the dawn of the movement, uh, dawn of the movement area from 19, uh, 55 to 1967. Another book, I picked this up at um, local Charleston County 
Public Library of their book sale. Um, And it was a Freedom Summer written by Bruce Watson that has some really interesting information in there as well. So Freedom Summer and Champions of Civil and Human Rights in South Carolina. Uh, Pick those up. You'll find amazing uh, history from the South. It covers the Freedom Rides. It covers a lot of John Lewis's work. uh, And also, again, our civil rights history here from the Palmetto State. All right. So I just wanted to leave you with that. And I, uh, I'm i going to include in the show notes of this episode uh, links to not just uh, those books or names of those books, but I'm also going to include a link to Columbia 63. As you know, a few years ago, um, folks in Columbia wanted to commemorate this this time period, 1963, where where um, we were at the forefront, this state and its black student organizers were at the forefront of the civil rights movement. So Columbia63.org, I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes and uh, a link to any audio you heard will also be in the description of this episode. Okay. So thank you for rocking with me one more episode. Uh, also, I'm, I hope you know about my book club. It's, it's popping y'all. Um, <laughs> I've actually closed the link because we're at like 520 some odd people signed up and you know, um, that's a lot. So I capped it, but please, um, I encourage you all to stay up to um, stay current with the updates regarding the book club. There may be other ways for you to participate. If you can't, um, you might be able, I'm going to probably create a wait list. You might be able to, to, to link up with us via Zoom on uh, Tuesday, August 18th, as we discuss uh, Denmark VC's Garden. Um, I've invited the authors, both uh, Ethan J. Keitel and Blaine Roberts. Uh, I've invited them to participate. So you don't want to miss it um and hopefully i will be able to record record it and yeah maybe make it an episode put it up on youtube not quite sure yet i'm still trying to craft the questions but um just stay tuned there'll be more information about the book club and the more more, what's more important and i'm inspired by john lewis even more so this week what's more important about the book club we're going to have an action item once we complete a selection we are going to move into action and so not this month but next the next selection um the september selection which will start in august but the september selection will uh be about uh will be something uh pertaining to voting rights and voting access here in south carolina and so i want to honor john lewis's uh his legacy uh, by doing something, being, being um, you know, just, just moving into action. And actually, let me let me end this this podcast episode right here because this is important. Um, yeah, if we want to, if we want to honor people like John Lewis, we should fight that erasure that we're seeing, that legislative erasure, the rolling back of voting rights act, uh, of voting rights laws, rather. Um, we should fight. We should call our senators. We should call Senator Tim Scott and Senator Lindsey Graham and tell them to advocate um, for the legislation that has passed the House almost two years ago. That would um, that uh, legislation that is supported by John Lewis, that's sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk right now, that will that would restore the Voting Rights Act. Um, if you want to pay tribute to this man and his legacy, call your senator right now and ask him to support that legislation 
and pass that legislation. We don't need any more streets named after him. And we will get that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. We should honor him in, in any way we can. But what would be a true tribute would be to restore the Voting Rights Act that was gutted in 2013. All right. So call your senator. Call Tim Scott. Call Lindsey Graham. Hey, you know what? Even though it passed the House already, call uh, Joe Cunningham. You know, ask him what you call that office. Say, hey, I want to I want to know what we can do to support this. Right. You know, get him to talk about it. Get Joe Cunningham to talk about Voting Rights Act. How about that? We know Clyburn going to do his thing with that in regard to Voting Rights Act. All right. Clyburn people don't don't at me. Um, but we know that Cunningham folk, y'all need to get your boy and, and get him to be vocal about things um, that pertain to black lives. All right. All right. That was my little rant. I went over my little mark. But until next time, y'all, please, um, y'all stay healthy. Please stay masked up. Wash your hands. Take care of yourself. Take care of your families. To all my Gullah Geechee folk, all my black folk in Charleston and South Carolina, y'all stay black.